Okay, so this is a job interview. <laughs> Each one of you are going to come before the holy panel. <laughs> We're going to read your mail. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? Come before the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, what's well, awesome. Uh, well, it's cool to be able to do this. We do this on a regular basis uh, here as part of our church family. And if you're online with us, you'll know we do individual speakers and panels. Um, because we get to hear from a variety of the different gifts all at the same time. And uh, as we've talked about, you know, when you bring, each person brings a piece, it's quite a big pie that we all get to eat from. So um, what we thought we'd do is just introduce, so get the guys to introduce themselves and sort of where they're from. And um, maybe tell us one fact about yourself that we don't know. <laughs> Could be interesting, eh? <laughs> um, and then... Um, I've just sort of come up with a series of questions around this whole thing of oneness. And there's a reason why we've called this becoming one, because it's we need to become one. So, you know, when we receive the Holy Spirit, you can say, yes, we are now one with the Spirit, one with the Father, one with the Son, one with the Holy Spirit. But then you've got to become and grow into the fullness of the stature of what that is to be one, yeah? So you can't just say, well, I've received the Spirit, I've arrived, it's about them being perfected into oneness, perfected into unity. It says, be perfect like your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, that word means maturity. Be a mature son, meaning sons and daughters, as the son was a mature son. So we're one, but we've got to become one because the challenge that Paul said is, he's, make my joy complete. And he listed four things that we are to be complete in. Who can give me one of them? Yell it out, something here. Mind. We are to all in this room have the same mind. Imagine what that would be like if we all thought the same way because we all have and are growing in the mind of Christ. So when one person spoke, we would hear and know it's like red is red, blue is not red. Yeah, And so we wouldn't hear, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and think Jesus is talking about lunch. You would know he was talking about the teaching of the religious kind. Yeah, So that's one, the mind. What are three others? What's another one? Love. That we would be of the same love, which is Christ. Thanks, Rodney. Another one. Mind, love, spirit, and... No, begins with P. You're not supposed to answer. Purpose. <laughs> purpose, purpose, purpose. What would it look like if we all were in the one purpose as an entire body and out of that one purpose lived our lives? So we need to know what that one purpose is, but you won't know unless you have his mind. See how those four elements are all actually one element? Because only if you have his mind and the mind's being renewed will you know what his one purpose is. Because we say things like, what is God's will for my life? But Jesus never said that. He said, Father, I'm here to do your will. So my will is your will. There is no separation between the will of God and your will. Your will is to do his will. Oneness. Because you've been given the same love. Because you've been given the same spirit which means you're intent on the one purpose. 
not this divided, not every church family has its own unique purpose, needs its own unique vision, because you've been given it all, you just need to see what it is. So every single one of you can be my body because I'm the head. And what impact would that be if there was just one body with one mind, one love, one spirit intent on the same purpose? That's why we have to become one. Amen. All right, so panel, starting with <laughs> uh, him. <laughs> no, you, sorry. Sandra Logan. One thing that nobody knows about Who are me. you? Who am I? I'm Sandra. Um, and Kira. Um, and, yep, The Rock has been my home for um, 11 years now. 2010, May, um, officially. Um, and one thing you don't know, you might not know, that I was born in Tanzania. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Cool. Warren. So my name's Warren. Warren Young. All right. Okay. Uh, one thing you don't know about me, probably I'm from Tarawa. Second thing you don't know about me is that I feel like a thorn between two roses. Oh, hey, hey. And the other thing, he's a smooth criminal. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. We better watch him, elders. <laughs> That's awesome, Warren. Mel. Hi, Brian. Um, my name's Mel Bayer, and I've been part of The Rock now, I think, 14 years. Um, and I was trying to think what, what the best one thing people might not know about me is uh, between two things. So I'm just going to say both. Um, I secretly love rap music. <laughs> and uh, I know it doesn't sound very holy. Well, we I, do have a rapper in the house. Uh, well, we, have, we do have Mr. Gotti here. And if you need to hear some good, refined, spiritual rap, listen, have a listen there. Um, so my, my taste in rap has changed over the years, safe to say, since Christ. So um, that's one thing. And then the second thing is um, I have jumped off the Sky Tower in Auckland. When I was young and feeling brave, I wouldn't do it again today. That's what crazy rappers do, right? <laughs> That's right. Very cool. Yeah, hi, my name's Sandy Jensen. I, I pastor a church out in the Hutt Valley called Next Gen. And uh, I've been missioned in New Zealand for about 12 years out of Australia. I'm a Kiwi who found his wife in Australia, who was also a Kiwi, and then we got sent back to New Zealand on our mission. It's just really bizarre. But um, I could just about tell you anything. You won't know anything about what I'm saying anyway. So. <laughs> and nine children, 15 grandchildren. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Sandy was going to say that he felt like a thorn between two roses. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I wasn't quite so lucky. <laughs> but, you know, next time. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm Sam. I'm, I'm pretty much part of the furniture here. I've been here for about 16 years. Um, so, yeah, long, long time. And the uh, thing that you probably don't know about me is I've had plastic surgery. Oh. <laughs> That's all you're going to get. Do tell us more. <laughs> don't, don't look at my nose too closely. <laughs> I want a before and after picture. It's a long story. It's not my face. It was an injury. Oh, very good. 
<laughs> there you go. How did he get on eldership? I don't know. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> we all know that. Okay, well, there's a rumour going around that I may have performed in a show called Man O' Man. <laughs> that I won. <laughs> Before I was a Christian. <laughs> but it's only a rumour. Okay, let's get on to uh, the topic. <laughs> so, first question, guys, and... Um, any one of you can answer this, so there's no really order, but, um, and as I've said these guys, we're just going to just share, so other things might come out. This questions are just a framework to release him, but uh, what is your personal experience of being perfected in unity in the Father and the Son? What is your personal testimony of the work that he's been doing within you to date? All right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's such a, a great question. And the, the first scripture that um, came to mind is 1 John 1. And I'm just going to read out the first few lines because I feel like every verse is almost like a marker of the manifestation of his life um, through uh, a believer's, but I can testify through mine. Um, so it's it's the, some of the headings for it depends what version you have, but it says the living expression what was heard, what was seen, and what was touched. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, our hands have handled concerning the word of life. And we know the word of life is Christ himself. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father, was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, so that, those famous so that words, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And, you know, in John 17, as we've been looking at it, it talks about, um, Jesus says, you know, Father, I've manifested your name. And it's this manifest manifestation of his life through mine. And I can testify and... I have history with God of his constant manifestation um, of him perfecting um, himself in me. And so it's this being able just to witness that I've seen with my own eyes, that I've heard with my own ears, that I've handled, I've taken hold of Christ as he's taken hold of me. And um, that's these various uh, things I could share through my life, but really that that is, um, the, I guess, the verse that really takes hold of the, the experience that and the experiences I'm having with Christ of him manifesting and becoming, perfecting me with him in oneness um, is that it's like I can testify to the experiential knowledge of, of having him and being held by him and becoming one with him. And how did you come into that, Mel? Um, that came by him revealing himself uh, to me um, out of love. It was love took hold of me and turned me inside out. Uh, it took me from dead to life, from darkness to light. And um, 
you know, it says, it says in uh, 1 John 1 that he is the beginning. He was the beginning, the Logos, like before we saw creation, it was him, it was the word that brought creation into being. And I, I absolutely identify with him being the first thing. He was my beginning. The word was my beginning of my new life, the new created life, the new breath. Um, and that was by him revealing himself as he truly is, the one true God. And uh, me seeing that for the very first time, the eyes of my heart being opened to him, hearing for the first time like I've never heard before, and seeing a reality, an unseen reality that's hidden in Christ become my reality. Um, And it's the beautiful thing is the manifestation. It doesn't stay an inside reality. You literally start seeing his life that you can read in the scriptures become your experience, and that is the beauty of becoming one with him. It's awesome. It's something you're given isn't it? So it's something he receives as he gives it to you. It's not something you learn or study or figure out. It's just you're the recipient of him in you. It's awesome. Sandy, do you want to? Yeah. Um, my first disclaimer is I'm not there yet. <laughs> I'm still processing through this journey. And I think it's something that we need to recognize that um, each of us is on a journey of discovery. And so... Ten years into the mission, been preaching amongst the mongrel mob out on the streets, healing the sick and all these things. Wonderful, wonderful signs and wonders happening everywhere. And then about two years ago, I get hit up. And this was what my father said to me. You're having an illegitimate relationship with me. And I thought, What? And then you, you'll recognize the scripture when I say it. But Lord, Lord, I did this in your name and I did that in your name and I've done all these wonderful things. I've seen your miracles happening, prophesied and healing and everything that's going on. And he said, but you're still having a relationship with me based on where you are. You need to come up to me where I am and come into this place. Come and join. That was my invitation. Come and join me. At the side of the Father, come and join me and have a relationship with me at this level here. And so, since then, my church has gone a massive upheaval, and we've pretty much made it a, a deconstruction zone. <laughs> Not bit by bit, we chucked a bomb in there. We just blew that place to bits, and um, now everybody's part of the worship team. Everybody participates. And everybody's operating in the same revelation now. We are growing as one together. Not me just on my own personal journey, but that is the truth. However, it's no point doing this journey alone. Now, he gave us a whole lot of people to be around, and I'm glad that you're a part of it. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. How good is God that he would say that to you? Not to pull you down, but to show you something so you can come up, yeah? Because he's the one, he's always for us. So anything he says is never to hurt you, it's to help you get to where he's trying to get you to. Fabulous. Ah, Sam. Yeah, so my experience of being perfected in unity in the Father and, and the Son, I, so, so for me, I, I 
grew up coming to church services and being part of all of these um, kind of gatherings. And I think when, it, when I think about being perfected in unity with, with the Father, I was like, for so many for so many years, I think I was more united with the kind of religious institution than I was with the person of Christ. You know? um, and so um, I, I was... I was physically present in all the right environments and doing all the right things. And I grew up in a fantastic home with fantastic parents. But even, you know, even having everything available to me like that, particularly good parents, I was still lacking the reality of knowing that I was loved, knowing that I was secure, knowing that I was accepted. And so... I felt like the the gospel was always outside of me, um, and I, I think one of the the biggest things has been the gospel going from being on the outside to actually the the revelation of Christ in me. That's been really what has set me free from me and empowered me to live just from this new place of of Him in me. And and so I, I think in in terms of being perfected in unity. Um, there's been a number of powerful kind of moments, but it's also been an ongoing process where um, the, uh, um, the, there's been this transforming of the mind where I've gone from just thinking the way that I had always thought from, uh, as I was sharing this morning, you know, from, from a heart that really didn't know that I was accepted and that I was loved to actually receiving the revelation of love in me. And from that time being perfected was this constant process of, of renewal to the way that he thinks becoming the way that I think. Um, and so that's been a real journey over the last kind of, really it's been kind of five or six years and continues, like Sandy was saying, to this day, so that's awesome, mate. Sandra. Well, <laughs> um, I guess in the very, in the very onset, um, uh, having been brought up in a, a, in fact, being born on the mission field, so to speak, <laughs> um, and. In making a decision, which was a, a sort of a eight-year-old thing, and then going into teenage years like no life, <laughs> going into teenage years and um, being in this place where um, I guess I was um, I I was just very very alone and desperate, desperately unhappy, didn't belong anywhere. And um, in the process of all that, um, I, I had convinced myself that I didn't believe that God existed. Um, and I was very anti. <laughs> um, but anyway, he brought me to the point of screaming out and the thing that was holding me back was this pride um it was very obvious in my case it's not that obvious in everyone's case but it's there um and um so I um he did a thing 
with me where he took away all my ability to think, which was really interesting. <laughs> um, and I just screamed out, if you're there, show yourself, reveal yourself. And and he did in a the most profound way. Um, so the 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 birthing was by revelation. What happened after that, in the years after that, unfortunately, was discipleship into man's ways. And because um, they were very, they were my operating system, it was very much the trying to change yourself, you know? Saved by grace, now do it all yourself. <laughs> and so, um, and were it not for the mercy of God to bring me to the end of myself in that and to come to a smashing um, end, um, I would be doing the same thing now, and I would be. Um, So going through what, what we went through as a family and all of my identity was in my function, particularly as a mother, and um, everything just collapsed around me. And in that time, I was then screaming out for him to reveal his love because I actually came to the realisation at long last that I didn't have the capacity to love. Um, even though mother's love was supposed to be this amazing thing, um, when it, it's all very well when people are loving you, but if, if that's not happening and you're getting abused, 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 you don't have it. And particularly if your identity's in that function, everything that is said goes into, this, into the heart and um, it's not a pretty place. And so I'm just so grateful now that he took me to that place um, because I screamed out for him to reveal his love and he did. And set me free from that trying and um, life has been entirely different Um, the fruit has been of ease and and without the effort and it's not to say that I have arrived by a country mile (laughs) because there's so much of the 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 mind that needs renewing and so the 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 centrality of being in him and him and me really happened at that point um, and it's that has been just a a growing thing that understanding that everything of my understanding and my ways are utter rubbish. Um, literally don't have any fruit in them at all. Um, and that everything that is life comes from him. And um, it's just been an amazing journey. And it's, yeah, I'm still on it. Just, <laughs> Big time. It just reminds me, Sandra, you're sharing about in Galatians, he says, you know, you, you foolish Galatians, who's bewitched you? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now trying to be perfected by the flesh? You know, and it just reminds me of you know the like the way that we're to enter in. None of us can save ourselves from hell. None of us can forgive our own sins. You know, and and 
but the way that we begin is the way that we're to continue in absolute dependence on him to do this divine eternal work in us, eh? you know, and I feel like to me that that really resonates because it is, it's it, that I, I know for me personally, I had even had encounters with the love of God and continued to try and approve myself to him, you know, and it's like that to me because the love that I had tasted in a moment hadn't actually be formed in me, you know, and Jesus says, you know, come, come to me and I'll give you rest. And in a moment we receive something of him, maybe a revelation, you know, but it says now learn from me and you'll find rest for your souls, you know, and that, you know, those two word, words rest are completely different words. One is rest from the things around you. The other is actually inner tranquility, you know, and so, uh, and I think to me, that that is, you know, this being perfected in, in in unity and oneness. It's having had His way perfected in me, which is not a, it's not a way of trying, right? And yeah. and, and trying to um, to do things to somehow earn His approval, or the approval of others, you know. But actually, having received love on the inside, we're actually empowered to live entirely differently, you know. I think that's why it's so important to have that experiential living relationship with the living God because once you've tasted and seen and have handled with him and, and participated in him, you know that you there is there is going to always be more, but, but you don't go after the more so that you can somehow become more, but it's you just want to know more of who he is and, and take hold of more of who he is and taste more of what you've experienced, you know. So it keeps you um, in that in His name. It keeps you in His love um, to abide and stay in the place that um, you know becomes your state and a continuous place with Him, other than doing things on the outside or effort to try build yourself up or become something. It's really just a responding to present love, you know. It's awesome, Warren. Thanks, Greg. I, the lovely thing about this conference and its title of Becoming One, I think is something that resonates with every single one of us. And I hear the word reveal, God revealed to me. Uh, I hear the word revelation a lot. And I think we all grow from glory to glory, from one revelation to another. And I think like almost 60 years I've been with the Lord that I, I look back and I, I wonder in the seasons that I've been through in those years and it's all about relationship. I mean, it started with my knowing Jesus as my saviour, right? But actually it began before that because it was the Holy Spirit that convicts. So my first relationship, of course, was with Holy Spirit. And then I came to know the Jesus bit because I came alive in him. And then I struggled as a kid to overcome sin. And it wasn't until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and had another experience with him that was a, a bath of love that healed me and restored me 
and set me off on this journey. And this word perfection in the first question, being perfected in unity, is I think the, 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 the root of each one of us that we want to give the attention to, to be perfected. What would it be like to be perfect? Oh my gosh, I'd be so free. I'd be, oh, it'd be great to be perfect. And I can remember preaching sermons, be ye perfect as he is perfect. But it was from a transactional rather than a relational way that, and I can look back at, it's good for preachers, well, for anyone that takes notes or has their journal, spiritual journal, to look back 10 years ago. Old guys like me can look back 30 and 40 <laughs> years ago and I can pick up my old sermons. I can even look in some of the highlights in my Bible and I thought, where was I at then? <laughs> so much of it has been in a way of transaction. If I do, I will get. And God's tipped that upside down in my life more recently. And I feel ashamed in a sense that it's taking me, taken me all these years to be around a people that have a revelation of how huge God is and how good God is. Everything negative we think about ourselves comes from the way we think about him. I mean, I can read the Old Testament scriptures and I can look at some of them and think, what was God thinking? But yet more recently I've come to understand that no matter where, like the children of Israel as an example, we're at, he always was for their good. Whatever he took them through was for their good because he's a good God. He cannot help himself but be good. And we so often put him in this place, well, he's kind of forgotten about me right now. He's not very good, you know, I mean. But when we come to a place, as Greg has said, when we know that we know that we know, my dear old mum, she used to say, when you know, son, you just know, and you know her that you know. <laughs> and now, I can remember as a kid when I was up against something. What do you know when you know her? Was the question. But you know, more recently, and this, this, I don't want this to sound oversimplified, because for me, it, it, it has been a huge, deep revelation to me. But I read John 1, 1 again. Like I'd never read it before. How many times have I read that? The word was God. In the beginning, the word was with God and the word was God. Place Jesus with the, that word word. In the beginning, Jesus was the word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God, with God, is God. And the, the, the understanding that I received of the person of the Word 
was in me. The person of Jesus, I've known it all my life. But when we have an understanding of more than this word, as someone mentioned this morning, this word is a recent thing when you think about it. They didn't have the, some of you got Holy Bible written on you. Yeah, I got a Holy on mine. <laughs> we have, and I, I am not taking away from the Word of God in any shape or form, but to say this, that we have lifted this above the person. That's right. That's right. Jesus the person. And that's where my understanding of perfection through these seasons that we have before us. And that's why this, the first time I came here at my daughter's request, I knew there was something different here. I hadn't heard this elsewhere. And it's been an 18-month process for me to find people that see Jesus the same way as I do. And this, this revelation of who he is outside of the old structures. I was part of the old structure. I was in a, 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 on a staff of a church of 20,000 in Chicago. Very influential church around the world. And yet God said, what would you rather have? Major influence on a few or a little influence on large? And I see this as being what this church is about. It's having huge influence on a few. But trust me when I say that this church and this movement that God has, not just here, we're hearing from our brother. It's happening within institutional churches, but it's breaking off the old and bringing them into the new. Does that make sense? But, but yet, it must become transformational and it's, it's a relational gospel. It's not a transactional gospel that he's, he's brought to us. Anyway, that's probably anyway, that was enough. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to touch on that, that beginning position because that's the key, and I think Mel alluded to it as well. Like In the beginning, none of us are born in the beginning God. We're born in the beginning sin and iniquity. And so our beginning isn't him. So none of us start in him. And I would encourage you when you spend time, have a look how many times in him is said. Because that's where all the life is. So just to complete John 1, 1 verse 4 says, In him was life. And this life was the light of men. So in him, in Christ is life. If we look for life outside of Christ, there is none that's eternal. So there's plenty of life outside of Christ, but it's dead. It's painted up as life, but it's 
dead. So it's all an illusion. This entire world is an illusion. Lying to you. Trying to get you sucked into the vortex of it from a demonic influence. But it says in Christ, in the Christ. So abiding in Christ because Christ abides in me. But you've got to be in Christ. So you have to seek what Sam said and learn what that is. Because the Holy Spirit wants to take you beyond the veil into the innermost place. But only his power can take you there within you. And so none of us start in the beginning. My beginning was not Christ. It was Greg, a dead guy. So in the beginning was Christ. Christ speaks creation. But the most cherished creation is actually born outside of Christ. Which means I'm the source of me. And you need a brand new source. So his power has to bring, come in, literally remove you as source, knock you off your kingdom seat, and establish himself on your seat, which is now his seat. That doesn't happen, guys, by making a mental agreement with words. That doesn't happen that way. It's power. For me, I I didn't even pray the sinner's prayer. I received it. You know, we talk about say these words. It just it happened. You know, so how I started with it happened in my workplace. And Mum will tell you because we were praying because I'd been married and my marriage went belly up. As a non-Christian, I got married in 1994 and it lasted three and a half years. And it was the thing that brought me to my knees. I'd had experienced God over nine years, supernatural signs and wonders, healing lights in the room, all this stuff, but it wasn't enough because I was still the God of me. And I could get out of some of the issues I had because I thought I'm strong enough, I'm whatever enough to get out of and I'll still trust in me. But this thing brought me to the end of me. And we prayed a prayer Sunday night. I don't know if you remember, Mum, but I remember it very clearly. And we're asking for clarity just clarity. Is this thing over? Is it not over? Because my ex-wife was mucking me around and we didn't know and pray for clarity. I remember saying to Mama, I don't deserve prayer because I'd made a whole lot of boastful statements like Peter before said, oh, if I, you do this, I'll do this. And he did and I didn't. Because what was in here, the source was still greater than the source. How can that be? Because the source hadn't yet invaded. So it was empty words, just like Peter's. Because I was unable to follow through on what I said. So I find myself broken in a workplace. And at 10 a.m. in the morning, and the Rock have heard this too many times. They're sick of it, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) When I was a boy. It's good, mate. Someone hand him the microphone and he'll preach it. (laughs) Through a phone call of hearing my ex-wife's voice, bang. All I can describe is, I left me, he came in, and I had his beginning. I, didn't, I wasn't even asking for it. I was saying, can it help me out of this jam? He said, I'll give you more than that. And in an instant, and I'm not saying this is everyone's journey, in an instant though, I went from darkness to light. I had no love when I woke up, and I have love. And this started this perfecting work. Okay, It had just started. 
And so the next 22 years has been this progressive going from glory to glory, not backwards. It's going from glory to glory because that day I received power in a seed of a kind that was not earthy. So then I knew where to get it from. And because of what had happened, I was so hungry for more. Like, this is amazing. Where do you get this food from? But I knew who put it in me. So I love what Warren said there as he unpacked the three. But that's not a formula. Because in a heartbeat, I got the revelation of the Father. And I got a revelation of my sin. And I got a revelation of who Jesus was. And I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. All whack, one, bang, boom, there you go. How about that for a package? But that was still the start of this perfecting in oneness. So none of us ever arrive, do we? You know, because that's why you get a glorified body. I have a laugh. I say, I'm working on my glorified body. So when I get up there, he goes, pass him. No, you've got a glorified body. So. Long way to go. <laughs> Don't clap. <laughs> We've sort of, I mean, we're just going to work through some of these questions and we're sort of answering some as we go. And I would like you guys to ask us some questions as well, okay? Um, how is this perfecting work changing the way you live now? Can you give like a significant change? You know, Paul said, in accordance to my former manner of life, I used to do this. But now my new life, I do this. For myself, I found that I actually had to take a, an absolutely different view of everything. Um, I was no longer the centre. That was obvious. That's <laughs> a big one. Um, and what I thought wasn't necessarily right. I've learned that my mind has been established and built up according to patterns and paradigms that have been built into the world. And so that I was actually, if you actually looked at going back to, as you said, Sam, going back to the beginning, that I was still eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And even though God was speaking to me in terms of the heavenly realm, my understanding was still trying to work it through. And I know even now, as you guys are hearing some of this stuff, your brain's going click, 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 trying to figure it all out. And yet I've, I discovered I actually had to change my whole way of thinking altogether. <clears throat> and that even as I looked at people like yourselves individually, I actually had to look at you in a very different view altogether. And that it was no longer about what you are, who you are, what your gifting is, what your calling is. But upon each and every one of you is this value, which is called Jesus Christ. It's the value of all of the kingdom that was put inside of him when he was put on the cross. So how I relate and interact with people then had to change. And then I had to change that, not just for the church, but for the world as well. And when you're sitting in amongst the mongrel mob and the black power and all of the homeless people that we have been ministering into, everything changed. Because your heart had to change to the heart of the Father. So not only did the mind change, the heart had to change as well because it had to be more encompassing to still be able to minister out of the love that God had even when we were strangers. He still loved us. And to minister out of that realm, there was a whole different paradigm. 
That's amazing what that saying is, especially within, let's say, church context, is you no longer see people as assets yeah. or the gift on their life for function, do you, to help you achieve your goal. Yeah. It's like you, you treat them, like Sam was saying, like a brother or a sister. So they're actually family members. And this is where I think we really have to repent of, of how we've actually treated one another in this whole area because of our mindsets around what it is to actually be part of a church, thinking that we build it when we don't. And so we actually treat people worse than we treat animals because it's like, you've got a gift, I can use that. And as soon as you actually lose your value of your gift to me, you go on my asset register list of no value and I go get another one. And, you know, let's be honest, we'll even throw money at people and we'll go behind. We've even had it here where people try to poach a particular person on staff here twice for their thing. But you're still here, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not on staff, thank you. With someone a bit more valuable, as you know. <laughs> ben. And I'm not talking about myself either. No, that was a joke. That was a joke. But there is someone here, you know, and, and it's like that's not what family do, you know. And I remember ringing up this particular person and they were trying to justify it away. And I said, no, it's not. We're not justifying this away. This is not how we should be living. But it goes on because we, we actually don't understand we're family. We don't get love. We don't get what you're saying. And so no wonder a world looks at us you know, because that just goes from here out there. And it's all about we'll use people to achieve our outcome, you know. And I don't know what the Father thinks about that, but well, I do know, but it's not good, you know. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Thanks for being so honest, man. Um, Mel, any thoughts around this perfecting work? Yes, yes. Um <clears throat> Uh, what came to me, I thought, oh, might be a little bit controversial, but I'm just going to go there because I believe it's what Spirit laid on my heart. So, <clears throat> um, how is this perfecting work changing the way I live now? Um, so, one of the things is lordship. Um, and um, before Christ, I was absolutely, most certainly, Lord of my life. And like you say, <laughs> Sandy's center of the world. I thought everything revolved around me. Um, and, and that would manifest through relationships and through uh, just relating to the world. You know, I thought everything was about me and my thing. Um, and so marriage, for instance, was a very off-putting thing to an independent woman who wanted to rule her and govern her own life. Um, but what I've found with Christ is that the lordship of love is the lordship of Christ. And the center of love is Christ crucified. And the, this, the lordship of Christ that I've experienced is him as my, my lord, my husband, my covering my savior is that I've literally collapsed under the power of love and I love to be under his lordship and this has changed my life 
I mean, it hasn't even changed my life. It brought death to the old life and it birthed this new life of submission and surrender to love. And it, it, it manifests through um, my relationships, but particularly with my husband. And, um, you know, that I've, I've had two times where, um, where I've gone to say my husband's name and I've actually called him Lord. Now, I know some women in this room are going to be like, don't you do that, don't you? <laughs> but I just... Sarah did. She called Abraham her Lord. And um, and I know even my husband might be feeling like, please stop saying that. Like, I don't want people <laughs> thinking that, you know, but... I'd, I'd work it, bro. I'd yeah. be working that. <laughs> but, you know, my advice to even women that are considering marriage, it's like, consider your master, who your master is going to be. Because in this earthly life, you know, we... It's if, if you know Christ as your husband and you know Christ as your Lord, you find yourself submitted and surrendered to those around you. And you find this, um, this love relationship where it says, husbands, lay your lives down as Christ laid his life down for the church. And when you experience that, and this is what I'm saying about this manifestation of Christ's life in you, you start experiencing the very life and the way of being in Christ in relation to you through your relationships. And so when you honor Christ in one another, when, you, when the church is asked to lay her life down as Christ laid his life down, that the world would see that he sent his only son uh, for them. And so lordship is a, is a massive thing. And actually to call him Lord is actually one of the most intimate most profound names that I have come to know because of a true manifestation. Not, not, I don't call him Lord to be obedient. I don't call him Lord to be Lord. He is Lord, but he's not Lord in my mind. He's Lord in my heart and in my life. And um, it, it does. It, it just has its way um, in my earthly relationships. And so I think I could, I'm probably the most anti <laughs> or most opposite feminist you could find <laughs> on the earth and and you know today I know there's a big movement on that and w- however that is even defined I think is very different from what it once was and what it once actually stood for but it's anti-men anti anti-marriage anti-life is just anti-christ and that's it and I just want to say from from knowing Mel she's no doormat <laughs> You know, so when she says that, she's not a doormat. She's not someone that you walk over. She's not someone, she's a powerhouse in the spirit. But because she's a powerhouse in the spirit, she's humble. And its power is in humility. And so then she can live what she just said, and she does. That's the cool thing, and that's the challenge. And even if her husband isn't being the husband that he's supposed to be, she still is living and partaking of her part. Because that's the challenge, isn't it? It's like, oh, well, you need to do that because I can do this. No, it's each person taking ownership of their part. Then it works. And that's still that position that Sam talked about where it's like, I'm waiting for you to serve me before I actually get on board. Uh Uh-uh. It's like, go have a look. If you're a lady here, what Peter describes a woman of God looks like and is to be. And it's irrelevant on whether you've got a husband. That's right. You know? And yet at the same time, it's not about male or female. And so you have to hear all this in the spirit. Remember? Same mind, same spirit. 
So don't hear this through the flesh and go, what are you saying? You hear it through the spirit. You go, yes and amen, because you know what's actually being said, because you can hear it. You're not mishearing what's being said. And it's so sensitive, these areas, isn't it? But actually, you have to wrestle because there's a reality that sits behind what he says. So you have to see what he says, and you have to see it how how it's written too. Otherwise, you're going to see a whole different reality which you'll go, eh, to when you're supposed to go bring it on. That's powerful. Any thoughts? Um, Just some thoughts on that is just the, the... Whole way of receiving from him, which I think, um, I think it might have been Sandy was talking about, which is all this, isn't it? That it is, it's it is as he from from the knowing of him. There's a reverberation on the inside that the scriptures. It's like this resonation that, um, and and that's what I. I find is that it's it's a a resonating because of um, like a tuning fork, you know. There's there's a a vibration that comes out and it resonates, and and the resonation of the spirit um, renews the mind to what the mind would never have gone to by itself, and that and that is. The whole thing that makes life come instead of trying to find life in trying to understand the scriptures, which was my old mode of operation, is an entirely different way because this resonation and the what he brings to light because of of connection with him and the spirit opening up because the spirit is the spirit of truth and the and he is truth and the, the the oneness within that whole thing is is what sets you alive and then it becomes a living reality inside of you and it's like whoa i've never seen that and it's like it's not just an another knowledge it's a it's a it's a sight but it's a a capacity on the inside that you never never knew either. So it's all of those things, you know, that seem to come his way. And and what I <laughs> the the more that happens, I realise how back to front I read everything. And it was it was everything was initiated by man and God did something. And <laughs> and now it's like that doesn't happen anywhere. It's always initiated by the Father, and it's our response. And everything in here that I used to read as a list of things to do, so you'll receive X, Y, and Z, I now see how it's such the opposite way. When I do this in you, this is what comes out. It's the fruit of the work on the inside. And But even that is something that he's had to, like blow my brains out, literally, and just let me see by the Spirit and learn by the Spirit. It's a totally different way of being. That, that sort of just sounds like where it says, the Scripture says that, that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. 
or we go back to the beginning, as he said, and that's the difference between eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or eating from the tree of life. And it's just time for us to stop eating from the wrong tree. And, and you know, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in the scriptures are eternal life, but you refuse to come to me, the person, that you might have life. Eh? You know, and it is such an entirely different way of operating where, you know, like to, to know Christ as life, all of a sudden, the person and the life that you know is actually just confirmed in the scriptures, eh? And so you're not starting from an empty point trying to claw your way into the scriptures because you'll constantly define the scriptures based on your experience. And if that experience isn't of the person, every single scripture will, will either condemn you or give you a false sense of security as opposed to actually bring out the revelation knowledge of who he is in you, eh? you know, and so we, we need to know him, the person, I think it comes back, I think what, what might have been Warren that you mentioned before, you know, like, that we need to know him, the yeah. person, you know, because um, it's not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures, it's the <laughs> Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we're being perfected in unity, not with a book, but with him, you know. Because you go back under the law, don't you? Yeah. But what's really interesting, isn't it, is the scriptures are holy. <laughs> if they come out of the holy one's mouth. Mm. And this is a challenge, because Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. And so that without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, are just words on a page. That with the illumination of the Holy Spirit are life, spirit and life. And this is the tension between the duality of the word and the words that come from the word, his mouth. And this is why Jesus said, you guys are mistaken, not understanding the scriptures, nor the power of God. Now, the context for that was brilliant because it's all about marriage. And after the resurrection, who will this woman be married to? And so if we don't understand the scriptures or the power of God in the context of what the entire thing is about, you will never come into this life because you don't actually know the context to which all the words are written. And then you follow it down from there and he talks about, ah, what is the greatest commandment? And the scribe answers. So now we're talking about love because we've just talked about a marriage and what is the marriage covenant based on? It's called a commandment called loving the Lord your God. And the man answers and Jesus says, you've answered intelligently because you know the words that are written down, but you're not far from the kingdom reality. And Jesus said the kingdom is to be within you. So put it this way. You've answered from the intelligence of your mind, from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but you're not in the reality of the answer you've given because it's never about answering the questions. It's about being in the life of that answer, which means the answer is a means towards life. But we stop at getting the answer right. And then we feel good. We've got the answer. Oh, they asked the question. I got the answer right. Don't ask me another question. But that's still a means towards a greater end. So if we do not understand the context, the primary context for the words, 
then how can you enter into it? Because you're unaware of where you should be going. And you don't know the power of God that takes you from being dead to life. You only know your own strength. Then you're going to be outside of the reality that's concealed because this is a concealed reality, isn't it? Who wrote this? The Holy Spirit. So men who are anointed and God breathed from the Holy Spirit, 2 Peter 1, it's a prophetic reality. It's a prophetic dimension. The scriptures, the Bible says, are prophetic, correct? Which means it's a living dimension all in the unseen and it's concealed from the natural. So how on earth do you think you can understand the scriptures if you're not of the Spirit? So those men were not of the Spirit, were they? They rejected the Spirit because they rejected Christ, correct? But these are the people that thought they knew the scriptures. They said, we are teachers, rabbis, we're specialists in the scriptures. And Jesus says, no, you're not. You don't understand anything. That's why they killed him. And you don't understand the power of God. You don't understand any of the context to which you were actually given life for. Now, the problem is we go, well, that was 2,000 years ago, but that exists today. But it gives light as to why the great commandment is the greatest commandment on heaven and not the commission. Because when you know, like Warren said, you're invited to a relational, divine, one marriage covenant with the Christ first, then that redirects every single thing. And for me, I got that revelation in 2010. So my testimony is I was running in a kind of way, but it was off-center. And I was actually leading people off-center. So I was leading people to the world, and he had to stop me and said, Son, lead them to me. They don't know me. Stop leading this rock church to the lost. They don't know me. Lead them to me, and then they will reach the lost. In my own heart, I had to let go of something that I thought, and it is in him, but it wasn't first. So through my leading, I was actually driving people, not inspiring people. So I was driving them to function. Now, I come into Christ the right way, but in my leadership, I was going the wrong way. So he said, you have to get your hands off that, and I want to put my hands on there so actually people have an opportunity for life and to get to know me because I'm telling you, son, they don't know me the way I want them to know me. Yeah, We know all about him, but we need to know him. Why? Because it's all connected to the context to which the Scriptures are written, which is firstly a marriage covenant, not the commission. And so how are you going with your love? Because he says it this way. Can I just be really honest? Are you an adulteress? Do you love the world more than God, James? If you do, he calls you an adulteress. But I love people committing adultery. Go have a look at what James says. And he calls them friends, and he's not talking about the world because people, he's talking about people in covenant. He's talking about us. And then Jesus turned up and said, if you love another more than me, like I'm telling you, it doesn't get any clearer, yeah? But if you don't know the scriptures, you read them and go, I don't know who he's talking to, he's not talking to me. 
and these things don't come alive. It's like they're not alive in you. They're just words on a page. But when they come alive, they like, <gasps> they, oh, you're apprehended. You're seized by the Christ, not the words, but the Christ. But these are the Christ words. So they apprehend you and you're like, oh my goodness. Who's the guy talking about? And all of a sudden the mirror goes up. And you realize he's talking about you. But it's for the purpose of life. Like it's for the purpose of transformation. It's not for the purpose of death. I'm just trying to find a scripture. There's another one that hit me the other day. I'm like, oh my goodness. I mean, look at this. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. That's an absolute statement, isn't it? Just as I have kept my commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, because the word is spoken first, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. See the connection? My joy is made full in you. You now have a joy that makes your joy full because you've now got my joy. But it all comes through keeping the commandments. And if you keep the commandments, then you have his love in you. So if you can't do that, then you can't have love in you, which means you can't have joy. Now, the best, you've got happiness. But coming back to God being good, but we base God being good on whether life is good for us. <laughs> so if things aren't going well, God can't be good because my conditional thought about God is my life has to go well. Now, if you've been brought up in that church family, I'm sorry that that's the gospel you heard. Because Jesus never preached that. Jesus said you will have trial and tribulations. In fact, people will hate you. They will persecute you and possibly kill you for actually loving me. So there's this tension. And yet if we don't know the Scriptures, the way the Scriptures are written through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of God, we will come up with our own version of this and we will be led astray. And then we will build an institutional model, which means no one's going to be in life. But you know what we need to do? You know how we good? We know how to put a good show on. We know how to do all the things man knows how to do. But Jesus said what? Unless the Lord builds the house, man's works are all in vain. So let's start at the first work of God, which is to what? Rock family? Believe. And that ain't a mental agreement. That's a living conviction of your heart of who he is, the Lordship, the Messiah, and what he says. So he says that. Do you believe if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love? Do you believe that? Do you have that? So it's one thing to believe it. It's another thing to have it. If you have it, what can you do? Live from it. Right. See why it's about becoming one? The standard is so high, it is not attainable in us. And we're all in this together. But it's good news because he can. So guys, why is revelation the only way in? The only way in. I think in Romans 8.18, 8, and I'm sure you folks have had lots of preaching from Romans 8, but in Romans 8.18, 8, it talks about the sufferings at this present time not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. And there's that word revealed again. 
is this word that Greg's just said. It's the revelation. Why do we need this revelation? And how do we go about receiving that revelation? The very next verse, it kind of goes into another question, but I'll read it while I'm there anyway. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Sons of God need to have revelation. If, if we do not live in revelation, we're going to be left behind. The thing that I did started to do seven years ago, and what my pastor friend here was saying, I wanted to get to know who Jesus was in others. And the best place that I could start was with men. It's a little bit hard to sit down there and eyeball a woman and say, oh, I want to know Christ at you. But with brothers, it was okay. And we started off with like 13 different churches men came from because they, they, they were so frustrated. There was no revelation going on of what's God doing. We've been doing this old stuff for so long and it's so tiring and I'm not growing and I'm not getting to know Christ. What they were crying out for was revelation of who he is. And so I would sit down with these guys one-on-one and just ask them to tell me their story. Tell me your Jesus story. And when I'd look into their eyes and I'd start to recognize Christ's work in them, I was feeding myself off of that. Because what they knew about Jesus was another. It's like walking around the elephant, isn't it? One's got hold of the head or the trunk and one's got hold of the tail. They're the same thing, but they're totally different. But it's the same person of Christ that's in me that's in them. And the joy of getting to know those men. Again, come back to what I said earlier. I was actually sitting in the woodshed and I'm trying to get the kindling all put together. And I'd get the wall just about up and the whole thing would fall over because I'm trying to do it too fast. And the Lord wrapped me over the knuckles and he said, what are you doing? Because I was getting angry. He said, just try a stick at a time. Try a stick at a time. Be patient. One stick at a time. And that's what I went after in those men around me. Now, there's only a half a dozen of those guys. There's about 20 or so of us that meet. But there's only half a dozen of us that know who each other is in Christ. And that's where the revelation comes in. When God starts revealing himself through others, we so skip to just the leaders. Just let's listen to Greg's sermons every Sunday, right? But if you're going to live it out and understand and walk out the revelation of what God's showing you here, it's got to be done in relation to others because it's a relational gospel. Otherwise, it gets back to transactional again, doesn't it? We hear a transaction. Oh, that sounds good. So off we go on our little selves. And, but that's what I love about this church. We're sitting around tables. We're not looking at the heads of people in front of us, the back of their heads. We have a panel here. And what we are demonstrating in the spirit is we are one. Amen. This conference is about becoming one. This is a physical demonstration of what's in each one of these people on this panel. We're here here to lift others up beyond us. 
It's, it's serving each other. Whereas it's been so much, hasn't it? Top down. Here's the servant sitting. Go to another scripture in, in 1 Corinthians 14, and this was a new thing to me very recently. Paul is giving the wild church at Corinth a bit of a stir up on the way they handle themselves in the services. Oh, you're crazy. All these people jumping up and down and doing crazy things and say it's the operation of the gifts. I lived through the 70s and I actually survived, believe it or not. (laughs) And in verse 29 of chapter 14, he says, And let two or three prophets speak and let the others pass judgment. Prophets are to be subject to each other to be judged. These lone voices God is bringing to an end. They will not survive. I'll talk a little bit in response to another question later from Isaiah 6 of what I believe God's doing. But the next verse, but if a revelation is made to another who is seated, let the first keep silent. In other words, you loud prophetic voices, shut up for a minute and listen to he who is seated. Who is the person who is seated? They're the humble ones, the ones that are willing to sit at your feet and serve you. That's what God's looking for in leadership. But you, the congregation, each and every one of us, have a revelation That needs to be heard. I need to hear the revelation that you have had in Jesus Christ to add to my life and to add to my walk with him. Because I'll see another facet of God's goodness and love when I hear your story. What has been the big turning thing for you? This is what Greg looks for in testimony. What's that turning thing for you? What is it for me? We need to know. We need to hear it. We need to walk it out together. We need accountability, transparency, and all those wonderfully hard words if we're going to grow into his image and be perfected. That's how we've got to do it. It's such an easy way, and it's so relational. It's so beautiful. I was saying to a couple of my brothers just before the service that, you know, We need to be preaching the word all the time and sometimes use words. (laughs) Um, In terms of revelation, you know, the scripture that came to mind for me is in 1 Corinthians and it says, but just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. With which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. And it comes back to what you were saying before, Greg, that actually words are important. 
but it's not any words. It's these kind of words, spiritual words that are taught by the Spirit, you know? And, and he says here, like, there's, there's things that eyes, that physical eyes haven't seen and physical ears haven't heard, um, which have not entered the heart of man all that God has for those who love him, you know? And so the things, um, you know, um, all the things that have been prepared and all the things to do with who God is are hidden in the unseen realm. And just in the way that we can't enter into each other's minds and and go around the room and read everyone's the impossibility of going into someone's mind you can guess probably based on what they ate for lunch, maybe a little bit of what they're thinking about. But more than that, you, you cannot enter into someone's mind and know what their thoughts are, right? It's absolutely, literally, and humanly impossible to do that. And he's saying that in the same way, what is it? Who among man knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. And so in the same way that we can't read someone else's mind, why do we think that we would know God's mind unless God chooses to reveal his mind to us, you know? And it says, now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. And so to me, why is revelation so important? Because without revelation, you'll create your own version of who God is, and you'll be living out of your own the image of God that you've created in your own mind as opposed to a deep revelation knowledge of who he actually is that's come from the scripture. As from the scripture. <laughs> from, from the Holy Spirit revealing Christ in you. And, and so to me, that, that's why revelation is so absolutely essential is that without revelation, we've, we have no knowledge of who he is because it's not an intellectual knowledge. It's a, an experiential revelation knowledge that's come from him and not from us. Can I ask you a question, Sam? Without revelation, do you think someone can change their operating system? So I don't believe that anyone can change their operating system at all without revelation. I think that, that people can come to a greater knowledge of the words on the page and can sometimes spend their whole entire life studying. But it says that there's, you know, the scriptures warn of people that are always learning but never coming to the knowledge of the truth, you know. And so without revelation, there's no change on the inner realm, you know. Do you think people can say yes to what you've just said and can tell you operate from an old operating system? Absolutely. And I did. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the evidence of a lack of revelation to what was said, correct? Because unless you have revelation, you don't actually know that you don't have revelation, is, is what I found. you know. <laughs> and that I thought that I had revelation because I was the goodest Christian that I knew. you know. <laughs> the and goodest. I, <laughs> you making up new words like me, mate. <laughs> but what, you know, and so my, I had a form of knowledge and a, um, I had a form of godliness, but it had come from my own capacity and my own ability and from the operating system, back to what Sandy was saying, of actually eating of the wrong tree, you know, of the knowledge of good and evil, not just evil, you know. And so I, I feel like I, I live for, 
for years, um, having a, a kind of knowledge that wasn't revelation knowledge, you know. And what it did is that it, you know, it says that lo- that knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, you know. And and so I knew a lot about the scripture but I just didn't know the one of the scriptures in a real living way. And there wasn't, there wasn't my operating system and in my inner world hadn't changed until love entered in. And, yeah. and isn't that the hoodwink? Because both trees produce knowledge. That's right. So both trees produce knowledge, but only one tree has life. But that's where the deception is. Because there's a false life in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but it's dead. So you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and it does produce life, but it's a dead life. This is where the, the hoodwink is. You think you have something that you don't, but you're led to believe you have knowledge, but it is knowledge, but it's dead knowledge because the root system of that, de- that tree is dead because they partook of that knowledge, and because the root system is death, they died. And so if you partake of that tree, you are spiritually dying, but you think you're alive because you have knowledge. Is this tracking? When you come back to the operating system, as you termed it, of the tree of life, it is based on revelation. Correct. Because Jesus, the Son, only ever spoke what was revealed to him from the Father. And he only did what he saw his father do. And Holy Spirit only did what he heard them say. And so there's this pattern that is already set by the divine nature himself. And so when Jesus spoke to Peter, he said, Who do you say I am? And he said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, which has been the pattern of the world. And a lot of the church stuff that we operate in now has been taught to us by flesh and blood. But he said, my father who is in heaven, and he said, upon this rock, I build my church. And so I just see in the end times, we're looking at two different churches, the one that man is building and the one that God is building. We're seeing a new building rising up. That's right. It is the body of Christ. Right. Beautiful. So if you go Father, Son, Spirit, all operate as one, and then you have us, and he says you're now to become one and join the divinity of the three, then certainly you can't operate out of the design of Father, Son, Spirit. Absolutely. And when Jesus went up into heaven and he took human DNA and joined it to the Godhead, that's where we are. We're there. We're already joined in Him. And that's why it's so essential to be in Him so we can be joined to that divinity as part of the Godhead. That's Amen. our position. And if that's you're not, you create your own gospel. Yes. And those who lack discernment believe you, and so you've just led others astray with a false reality because you're actually outside of those triune God, aren't you? Because Absolutely. you're coming up with your own word, but that's not what the Holy Spirit did. It's not what Jesus did. Jesus taught what his Father gave him. The Holy Spirit disclosed everything that Jesus said. Yes. You see that, isn't it? I can't tell you all things now, but when the Holy Spirit comes, he will reveal all things and disclose things. And show you things to come. Yeah, so... As subjects of the kingdom and as sons, we need to be in that process. If you're out of that process, you will preach a false gospel. Absolutely. 
and with false gospels sound like this. The greatest priority of God's heart is reaching lost people. That's a false gospel. Now what's false about it? The greatest. Does God love lost people? I think he does. I was one. Yeah? But that's not the number one priority of his heart. So if you hear that coming out of the mouth of a Christian, that's a lie. God loves lost people, but he tells you clearly in his scriptures what his greatest command is. To love the Lord your God. So how do we go there? Like how, how does that happen? How does one believer go the greatest I think on God's heart is to reach lost people when his word tells you something different because you are blinded to the reality of God, but you don't know it. And see, because you don't know it, you're going that way and Jesus is going that way. How do you think the Ephesians left their first love? Like they didn't lose their first love. It says they left. Who's the first love? Christ. So for works for Christ, because your mind's not being renewed, you've gone that way and he's gone that way. And so when you turn up, he goes, who are you? What he's really saying is, I know you didn't love me. And you've got to be apprehended and arrested and turned through revelation and pointed a brand new way. So this church in 2010 turned a whole different way and then got repointed and we have never gone back mm. never gone back never preached one word of the old since 2010 but i'm unaware are you aware if you're part of this family the massive turn because it's a brand new gospel it's a brand new way it's a brand new way of being like there's nothing different about the rock that was to the rock that now is apart from we're still in the same building Nothing is different at all, but are you? Mm. Are you still the same? Have you had an apprehension of heart, meaning if you're part of the family, turn and understand that the most important thing to God is that you would fall in love with him and out of that be able to love people and out of that live? This is the tension and the challenge, and this is why, because I know even here when I preach, I still see people trying to understand in their mind which means you don't have a revelation. Even though I've just said, don't understand in your mind. I watch you try to understand in your mind. And you look like my dog I used to have. And you turn your head that way. And all of a sudden your eyes are going. And I'm going, I just told you not to try and understand in my mind. But it's what you're doing. Why are you doing that when I've just told you don't do that? Because that's all you know how to do. Correct? Because that's still the natural because you lack revelation. But when revelation comes, you stop doing that. So now you look different. And you're not going, eee. You're going, Yeah. And then it's about this engaging, not this first. This is essential, correct? The mind of Christ is essential, but this is the mind of Greg, but it starts here. And this is this whole thing about receiving, hearing a word that Sam said that's not natural. Paul said, I speak spiritual words and spiritual thoughts. It's a language all of its own, and I'm not talking tongues. I wish there was a language of the Spirit because you would be, you'd know you're not hearing. So if I spoke in Russian and none of you are Russian, you couldn't have a clue what I was saying and you know you wouldn't, correct? But because we speak in English, you think you know because you're joining English with your English and going, I know what they're talking about. No, it's not English, it's spirit. It's not Hebrew or Greek or Aramaic, it's spirit. So if you're in the spirit, here in the spirit, you say yes in the spirit because we're talking spirit. But it's coming through an English language. And so we're joining dots going that way. 
It's all about reaching the lost as the number one. And God's going, it's all about loving me. And the life is associated with the commandment. How do I get eternal life? Wasn't that the question? Not eternity. How do I get eternal life? What did he say? No, what did Jesus say though? He said you get eternal life by this. Keep something. Keep the commandments. So can you keep the commandments? Okay, so you don't have eternal life in the sense of if you want eternal life, this life in Christ, growing in Christ, you've got to be able to keep the commandments. I'm not making this up. Isn't that what Jesus said? How do I obtain eternal life? Not eternity. You will take an eternal life into eternity. How do you get eternity? What do you have to do if you want eternity? um, (laughs) I was going to call you Darren, Daniel, (laughs) Danny. Yeah, you have to, what does it say? What does Romans say? Right. Right, okay, so you have to confess, believe Jesus was your Lord and Savior, died and rose again. Okay, cool, that's eternity. Now, how do you get eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. Let me read you something in John twelve fifty. This is why the commandments, guys, it's number one, because everything is contained behind the commandments. I know that his commandment is eternal life. So it's an eternal life. Christ is eternal life. Christ in me through loving forms this eternal life within me, but I can't do it. So it's not eternity. It's eternal. Okay, It's from heaven on earth and you. So the substance of it is all eternal. Joy is eternal. It is not earthly, correct? Right. So peace is eternal. It's not earthly. Rest is eternal. Can you? It's not from earth. It's from another place, another zone, another planet called heaven, but it came to earth. So this eternal life, which is Christ, Jesus' eternal life, Jesus within you qualifies you for this eternal. Now you've got to keep the commandments if you want more, and you've got to grow in this eternal life, which is about abiding in Christ. Because it says if you have this fruit in abundance, it proves you're a disciple. So Jesus said, here's, here's, your, here's the conditions on being a disciple. What did he say in Luke 14, 25? He said, if you want to be a disciple, does he say, just pray this prayer of repentance? So what does he say? So you need to know, guys. You need to know what he says. Right. So you have to hate people. <laughs> Doesn't he say that? I mean, you need to know what that word hate is. Oh, it's a bit strong, hey. What's he saying? Compared to me, the love you have for me is hatred. If you hate, you have to hate these guys. This is how vile he uses these words. He's not saying hate, hate. He's saying you need to love me well beyond these guys. So the conditional of being a disciple of Jesus isn't just praying a prayer. Because many of those guys said, I believe, and then they walked away. How many of us are walking away thinking we're not? Instead of walking into. So he says, if you want to be a disciple, not a justified follower. If you want to be a disciple, one who wants to become one like the master is one. You've actually got to leave all other people behind. yeah, In your heart. Not physically. In your heart. What's the second condition? See, your mobile phones, what are they called? Possessions. So then you've got to sell all your possessions. 
This is where we've gone wrong. Oh, okay, we've got to sell up everything and then go follow. No. What has your heart? How can you love me with all your heart? Keep the commandment, come into eternal life if you love other people and stuff. So the, 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 the actual condition is you've got to lose you if you actually want to be a disciple. I don't like this. This is too hard to listen to. Who can listen to this guy talking about this at the rock here? I think we're going to go away. Seen is up for it. Isn't that in John 6? It's the same here. Like This has to become here. You're in the story, man. You're a character in this story. So you've got to be confronted like we've all got to be confronted because we're all in this together and go, man, the standard is so out of my ability. Yeah, it is, but it's in his. So here it is. If you want to be my disciple, if you want to become one, you can't love another more than me, otherwise you're not worthy. And by the way, you've got to leave all your possessions. So everything in your heart where your treasure is, got to go. But you can't remove it, can you? And you're not to be guilty by what I'm saying. You're to be excited. Because the invitation is to be a disciple. The invitation is for oneness. The invitation is to be like him. Christ-like, not God, Christ-like. And yet without revelation, the invitation is, sounds like it's not that exciting. Because I quite like. <laughs> I, quite, I quite like the lady I'm married to. You can like her, but don't love her more than me. And I quite like the kids that we made. That's cool. They're a gift from heaven, but just don't love them more than me. Why? Because then you'll entangle you and them and them and you. And then you'll need them and they'll need you. And that's called a really unhealthy codependent relationship. Never mind all your bits and pieces that you need to function. And it's all going to come crashing down, isn't it? So where the treasurers they're the so if I nick your treasure and you need to love him with all your heart you're in trouble so if you give your heart away and someone stomps on it what do they do break your heart but you're supposed to be loving God with all your heart and they never should have your heart but you didn't learn that because you haven't had revelation but at the point of revelation you realize give me my heart back because I'm giving it to the one who'll never break it now I can love him and I can love you free Outside of that, you can't. So this is why Revelation is the only way. I actually think the better scripture is this. Because this, he tells you, is clear as clear. Matthew 11. And then I'm going to ask these guys what they think. Well, I'm actually going to ask you questions. You can ask the questions. Okay, Come to me. This is Jesus. Matthew 11:25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden... These things from the wise and intelligent. So it is the Father's plan to hide everything in Him away from a certain kind of people. What are those people? Those who think they are wise in their own. Those who are trying to understand me in there. Those who are partaking from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because it's the tree of reason, rationale and logic. Those who are living from the wisdom of the, I've hidden it all from them, which is humanity. Correct? Because that is every single human being before they come to Jesus Christ. Am I right? Okay, so God has hidden himself from every single one of us. Cool. And have revealed them to infants. 
Yes, Father, for this way was well-pleasing in your sight. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son. No one knows the Son except the Father. Nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. Now here's the key word. And anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. None of us know outside of Revelation. You can't enter in through studying original languages. That gets you knowledge, but it's a true knowledge, but it's a false knowledge in the sense there's no life. But it will lead you astray thinking you've got something. The Father's the only one. So that should reposition every single one of us today to never try to enter in the way we've been entering in. Yeah. Then he tells you to come to him, or you who are weary and heavy laden. Why? Because you've been trying to enter in the wrong way, so now you're weary and heavy laden. It's not just about your sin. It's the fact that you're trying to enter into life and you can't, so now you've worn yourself down. So by the time you're that, but until you done that, you're not heavy and laden, are you? You're still running around trying to figure it all out. So then you've got to come, come to me and then take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I'm gentle and humble in heart, like Sam said, for you will find rest. Now rest is not sitting on a beach. Rest is active Hebrews for rest that empowers you to live and positions you and enables you to wait for more. So it's a highly active substance. It's called the Christ. Jesus is the Sabbath rest that we enter into. That's what Hebrews 3 and 4 is about. And you're able then to live a life from rest. And you've ceased from your works. Man, if this one truth that many leaders in the body of Christ still need to come into, it's this one. Because burnout is the evidence of not being in what I'm preaching. But what I'm preaching is highly offensive to people who are still trying to come into life. So you have to be apprehended, stopped, and killed from that reality. And until you do, you will never know what it is to be one with God. It's your and my choice. Revelation is the only door in, as the guys have said. Questions from you guys. This could be a hard one, but I would like, Sam, please, can you describe or reveal how you got revelation? How I got revelation? So, like I said, I spent most of my life having grown up around Christian, you know, services and all that sort of thing. I... I was living my absolute best to please God in every way that I thought I possibly could and felt um, the harder that I tried, the more that I realized that my absolute efforts were, the harder that I tried, the more broken and frustrated that I became because the, you know, what I would read about and what I'd see in some select other people was so far from my my world. It was so far out of my reality that I'd read about things like like peace and my reference point for it was like like nothing, you know? And so um I I spent like quite quite a, a, a long time Desperately trying to please God in every way that I knew how, which looked like seeking Him through the Scriptures. It looked like doing everything that I could to 
to live a Christian life. And it got to the point where um, I, I got so frustrated that um, that I, I, I realized that my absolute best efforts were just completely not cutting it. Um, and I... Um, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to think... Can I just interrupt you? Can you read out 1 Corinthians 2.10 again? Because you said it. Because that's the answer. 1 Corinthians 2.10. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. Say it real slow. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. Stop. There's your answer, Mum. And this, this is what we're talking about. Like, so if I can just say, this is what we just said is working right now. Okay. So I'm just going to go there, and this runs the risk of uh, <laughs> offending my mum. But what's just happening is exactly what I just preached. My mum is trying to figure out, and the question, the answer is right there that God revealed them through the Spirit. Stop. So if you don't know what that is, you don't know what that is. Ask the Spirit to show you what that is. Because what we do is we go round and round and round. That's what Sam was trying to do. Sam was trying to give context to everything he was doing without, and the answer is just simply the Holy Spirit. Let's not confuse it. The Holy Spirit. Stop. So what that does, it brings... Say that word? Arrests. Oh, hold on a minute. Oh, see? And that pressure is what's needed for you to drop to your knees and start crying out because you've just had the answer. But we're looking for more because it's too simple. Paul said, you've been led astray in your minds from the simplicity of knowing Christ. It's his role. Because he's been commissioned to lead us into all truth. So you read all those scriptures and then you ask the question. Because you haven't heard. So the answer is just the Holy Spirit. Yes. So, because <laughs> I and I guess the reason I was probably struggling with the question is because I could tell you what my how to looked like, and and there could be you know fifty people here that hear physically what I say and try to do what I did but it wasn't what I did it was what I received you know and the answer that I received I think was what what Greg was saying you know is that I received a revelation of Christ in me 
that's the short 10 second version is I received a revelation of him in me that absolutely rocked my world and so there was a number of life events that led up to that point which maybe we can talk about another time on the panel necessarily and I have I mean I've shared even over the last few weeks of uh, you know, gone into detail of what that's what that's meant. So I'm more than happy to talk about it. But that is that, that the essence is that when Christ entered into me, that the eyes I I died, my way died, and I received in me revelation that changed me. You know, and so that that my experience in my and we've talked about this quite a number of times over the last few weeks has looked entirely different to some of the other people here on the panel, particularly Greg and Mal and, and some of the others where who's who could describe a completely different process and of, of what that had meant physically for them in, in their lives, but ultimately for all of us, you know, like the scripture that Greg was saying, for us, God revealed them through the Spirit. They're, they're, for, for everyone who's received revelation, it's come in the same way. It's through him, you know, so... But we can, I'm happy to talk more. And the cool thing about that question is it opens up that dialogue. And so the wrestle together is the key, yeah? It's like we have to wrestle, like Jacob wrestled with God. So there's a wrestling that's required for a reality that's in. And this is, this is what's got the church in trouble over the years because we want to be about right and wrong. But there is a way into this life. Yeah? And this is the difference between lifestyle and testimony. And we've confused those things. Like our lifestyles are all different, but that's irrelevant. It's we have the same testimony. Yeah. So Sam, as he said, you know, try to be the, the best Christian he could be, and I'm running around trying to live for me. But actually the lifestyles are all irrelevant. They might bring you to your knees, but it's not the lifestyle we honor. It's the testimony that happens. So how did we, how did, why are me and Sam one? It's got nothing to do with our lifestyle. It's everything to do with what we receive, which is the same receiving. So we enter through the same door called Jesus Christ because Jesus is the door and behind him is life and life abundant. So if you enter through the door, you know how to access the life that's in the door because that's how you open the door and walked in. And then you meet everyone through the door, go, oh, yeah, how'd you get here? Oh, well, actually, I was a druggie, I was a this, I was a this. You know, I might have been raised in the gangs, I've been a this. But actually, we're one. Because it's got nothing to do with the lifestyle. And everything to do with revelation. Well, how did you get your revelation? Oh, that's simple, the Holy Spirit. It's not in our ability. But the problem is we then try to copy. People ask me all the time. What does your quiet life look like? Why? Don't copy it. Don't get up at six in the morning, sit in the dark, and then just sit there with your headphones on because yours could be going for a run. Yours could be doing handstands around your house. I, I don't know, but do you know what I mean? It's like, but we want to copy because that's of the world. So we see it, him here, and we go, if I do that, I'm in life. No, you've got to work with the Spirit. You've got to become one with the Spirit, which is the power of the Spirit, brings you into this abiding life, and then you know because then you're growing in it continuously. But the challenge is, my mom says, she said, but I've been asking, we'll keep asking, keep knocking. But it's got to become an ask that is like an, it's not a, oh, you ask, it's a whatever if you're prepared to do. 
Like it's an ask that's not once, and it's not even an action first. It's a heartbeat because you are hungry and thirsty for the reality you've heard. Even that's hidden, isn't it? Because we can go, we're asking, and God's going, you're not asking at all. I've had so many people say to me, they've come to the end of their selves. I go, you haven't even started. You've got no idea what it is to come to the end of yourself. But the person genuinely thinks they are. And that's where the deception is. Because one person really believes they are. And the other person who's come to the end of themselves and transitions going, mate, you ain't even nowhere near it. And that's the problem, see? Because they're looking for solutions from a place that they think they're at, but they're not. So then you try to give them wisdom, but they can't hear it because they're not hearing in the spirit. So then they try to apply that and they go, that didn't work. And you're going, no, it does. You're just not in what you need to be in because you think there's a way that seems right to a man, but it ends in death. Hence, the mind needs to get renewed. Otherwise, your thinking is all skew-iffy and your life is the reflection of what you actually are. And that can be hard to hear, but you have to hear it because it's the truth and the truth makes you free. Good question, mum. I think, too, it's recognizing the season that we're in. This church did not preach this way 10 years ago. And when they started, they weren't all automatically right here with more revelation. Because with more revelation, more revelation comes because you realize by each revelation, the less we know. The hungry, more hungry we get for more of him. And I think it's recognizing above all of this revelation that there are seasons in God. And we look at the way he dealt with the children of Israel, for instance. There were seasons where he said the most hideous things to them. And then there were seasons when he just loved on them. And I think recognizing those seasons in our lives gives us that beautiful need that he puts in us to wait on him. And that, that, that's a place of peace. It's a place of joy that we can experience. And if we're not, then that is the very thing that's calling us in to receive more. It's a beautiful circle. Can I ask you a question, Warren? Sure. In relation to seasons, because um, I'd love to hear a greater articulation of of that because I think there's a message preached around seasons which is like hot, dry, cold, up and down type of thing and then there's a glory to glory Um, knowing we're under a new covenant of glory to glory where we confuse seasons with dry seasons as opposed to I'm in a season, I'm going from one glory to another so we call that a season but it's still full of life as opposed to it being like the natural seasons, you know, hot, cold, dry, and we go through this sort of natural process. Um, is that what you're meaning when you say seasons in Christ? So it's like one level of dimension of Christ to another, so it's life to life to life, not up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down? I think, I think it's being able, in our becoming one, and I... I remember speaking to a brother I was praying for earlier that we need to come up here. 
God says. And look at this from my perspective. I've, I've had the, the great honor of traveling to so many nations. I've run out of numbers these days. But in that you realize that, and I mean particularly when we go to a nation where God is doing something so new. For instance, the nation of Nepal, it's a very young church. And they don't have to unlearn a whole lot of stuff. They're coming straight into this revelation. I mean, they're so new. And it's beautiful. And you come back home and you look at New Zealand and you feel, oh my gosh, how long is this going to drag on for? (laughs) And and I think, uh, I mean, Isaiah 6 was the scripture I was going to read. So I'll, I'll, I'll just read a few verses from it. Because Isaiah was interceding for the nation. He said, Lord, how long? And he answered, until cities are devastated and without inhabitant. Houses are without people and the land is utterly desolate. The Lord has removed men far away. And the forsaken places are many in the midst of the land. This nation is a nation that has moved away from God. This nation is desolate in so many ways. And then the church in so many ways is dying in order that the body of Christ might live. Yet there will be a tenth portion in it. Don't you love God's remnant? Does that make sense? There's a tenth portion in it. There's a revelation of who he really is in it. And then, you don't want to hear the next bit, and it will be again be subject to burning. I had someone say to me just yesterday, the day before, I'm, I'm asking God to offend me. Because I know I need to be offended. Because I know I need a revelation and the understanding that I'm hearing around me. And I know I'm going to have to be offended because it's going to attack all my old sacred cows. So there's going to be a tenth portion in this body where these revelations are being revealed. You're going to be burned again. And we need to be burned again by the fire of the Spirit to bring us to this plate like an terebinth or an oak whose stump remains when it is felled The holy seed. The holy seed is its stump. It's where death exists. But yet in the midst of it, there's that holy seed. What these people, God is revealing to them is that holy seed. We go after that seed and revelation comes. If If we relax in that, if we rest in that, that becomes the revelation. That, that's kind of, I, I think, the picture of what this church and others represent in New Zealand. It's churches that have said, I want to be burned. That's not masochistic. That's saying, Lord, whatever it takes for me to come to this place with you, in this relationship that is the body of Christ. 
It's becoming clearer and clearer what the body of Christ is, Greg. Very, very clear. And the line has been drawn. Let me just finish on the scripture. And this is Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 30. An appalling and horrible thing has happened in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely and the people rule on their own authority and my people love it so. I was talking to a brother earlier. He said, I went to a church that looked so successful, so great. It was all happening and there was nothing there for me. But what will you do at the end of it? That's the question. Everyone is greedy for gain. 6 verse 13. And from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. There's a falsehood within the church. There's a falsehood within our culture, within our political sphere, within the evil that's going on in our cities. But they have healed the brokenness of my people superficially. That's the grace of God. When there's a healing that is not complete, God will use that for us to go after that holy seed of revelation, that we may be that body. Is that kind of... I guess I hear two things in what Warren's saying. There is the issues that the will of man is still living in the body of Christ, which will determine how man builds. If that gets crucified and destroyed, like we've been talking about, you're now free, and now you fully engage with the other side of what Warren's saying. So you're no longer in opposition to God because the thing that opposes God, which is the human will, has been crucified and no longer lives. So now it's about your mind being renewed and the truth defining your feelings, and there's only one way, and that's up, 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 because that's in Christ under the power of Christ, So there is the reality of the institutional model that's being built by man, meaning through the church Christians who are unaware of the operating system that they operate by. And that's where life can be up and down because it's more based on feelings. It's more based on what happens to me. It's this up, down, up, down, up, down. And we're trying and we're trying to grapple and we're trying to grab stuff from out here. And that's part of what, Personally, I'm getting a conviction of what Warren is saying, but then there's the church that have entered into this life in Christ. My personal testimony is, and I'll just say this, I've never had a dry season. I don't even know what that is because of the power and the resurrection that came in and severed me from me and then built me. And like I've said, I go to bed, I wake up with a fire that's burning. It goes from fire to fire to fire to fire. Okay, So... I see and I know I'm part of a nation that's falling apart, but I'm actually here to see a kingdom established, which isn't that nation. So I'm not really too concerned with this nation. What I'm more concerned with is being part of the kingdom that Jesus is building to see established, which is opposite to this nation. So this nation has some hope in another kingdom, not trying to fix it, because it's never going to fix itself because Jesus said it's perishing. So when he stood before Pilate, he said, my kingdom is not of your realm. I'm more concerned with seeing my father's kingdom established on the earth, becoming one. So then the broken people can actually know what wholeness looks like. Okay? That doesn't mean I don't pray for New Zealand. That doesn't mean I don't pray for the government. That doesn't mean I don't want to see 
godly principles introduced into a nation because when a nation succeeds, this is righteousness a God thing. But I'm more concerned with being part of a body that's becoming the church, which the kingdom is built in and through, and that's going from one glory to another to another to another. So it knows no lack, it knows no bounds because it's been released into the fullness of God. Mm-hmm. Hope you can hear that. Yeah. Um, but there's these dual, dual realities at play. Um, and then we're becoming hope. We're becoming light because we're becoming one with hope, life, and life. Mm. But you definitely have a heartbeat for the nation because you know it's people. Can I, I just want to add to, to that? Because I think, I think, you know, that scripture you just read about tending superficially to the wounds of the people. I think that message of a seasonal going through seasons, the counterfeit or the falsehood of that is attending to people's wounds superficially. So it's like, it's okay that you're up and down and in and out and, and then calling it seasonal. But I think what is seasonal in Christ, or what is maybe another, a word that comes to mind for me is a ripening. So it's a continuous measure increased over time. And and when we talk about the word perfect or being made perfect or complete, that's a maturing. And so it's almost like we can imagine it's trees. It's a, a tree doesn't die and then come alive. And But over time, and maybe the weather conditions, it takes it on, but the tree is ever ripening. And the tree, it talks about the trees along the river of life that continuously bears fruit and the leaves are always green. And I think that's the difference. The kingdom that's being established within people, that's an eternal setup. That's every time the measure of increase comes, it's, an, it's of eternal value. It multiplies. It can't, it can't go back. Once it's there, it's there. That's an eternal deposit of increase. And so it's, it's, it's a building up, a ripening, a perfecting, a maturing within us. That's Christ. That's the power of who he is. Um, we're not dependent on weather conditions. Our lives are not in Christ dependent on how well or how bad things are going on around us circumstantially, right? And we, yeah, circum, I think of circumstantially, We've talked about, I've shared about this, with Christ being the center and the circumference of our lives. Then we're living in different circumstances. We're constantly surrounded by his reality and we're living within it. And so we, we can have things circumstantially happening that might be hard and pressure. But because we're living in the center of Christ and the circumference of our lives is, is in the bonds of his love, Things that might be happening in the physical, the eyes of our heart are seeing very different. And so you, you live differently in his context. Yeah. I just want to add this last thing is there are operating systems operating within God's people that are demonic. And I think this is what Warren is addressing. Okay? So there are patterns operating from us that aren't of God but they are said in the name of God and it's not producing the life of God. So it keeps you going around the mountain because it's operating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it sounds amazing. We use this. We speak from this. We use all the same names of this, but the operating system is false. And 
it's a root system issue. Okay? So there's two roots in the sense of you either are a person who the root system is fellowship first or function. So if you're still functional, you're in a demonic root system. And that's how you will lead, and that's how you will build, and that's where all the pressure is. So that's the transactional gospel. doesn't matter if you're a leader or not. You can be in a position of leadership like I am and leading from function. So you're actually leading from a demonic way, but you don't know that. Okay. So what you're leading, what you're saying, you think it's about you building. It's not him. So it doesn't produce his fruit. That is happening in this nation, 100%. Okay. And that's what I think Warren's saying. It's like it's not going to cut it. So when things get worse, that system will not cut it, okay? So COVID is a tiny, tiny snapshot of what's coming. Now, what was the word I gave us through COVID that God gave me? Holy Spirit wants to be your teacher. Why does he want to be your teacher? Because you're going to need him because he's going to reveal the word in you, enable you to stand when things get worse. Okay, But did we adhere to that word? Because I know people gave me a hard time and said, why aren't we online? And I'm going online to listen to everybody else. And I said, but are you actually hearing what the word is saying to us as a family and making him your teacher? Because unless he becomes your teacher, which was prophesied by Jeremiah, because you don't need anyone else to teach you the word of God because the anointing should be teaching you by now. Because unless he's teaching, I tell you, when the times come and they're getting worse, you won't stand. But you won't also be becoming one with him or becoming the kingdom expression you're supposed to be because he's not your teacher because you're waiting for man to feed you. That's a real issue in this church, in this nation, and the nations. Okay, So that has to come down. And that came down here 10 years ago. But it's not necessarily down in everybody. It came down, it's come down, but has it come down? Because you, you can be here and not be here. Yeah, You've got to be presently present and actively engaged in what God is saying, not just going through the motions. Because that's full forms of godliness. So this is, it's a spirit that operates, but we're unaware because we think it's right. But it doesn't have the life of what this says. So God is taking it at the root. And that's this fellowship now. So out of fellowship, because function's important, but it's number four on the list. Fellowship, faith, fruit, function. A righteous act of the saint comes from being in fellowship. Why? Because I've got to be one with God to hear the work from the unseen. Otherwise, I'm in function doing what I think because someone tells me I should be doing this. But is it come? Has it come from fellowship? And so it is actually quite simple, and God is working, but it requires the sermon. It really does. <laughs>